Pierre, what is the vibes? We are back. We didn't even record this much back in the Friday nights, Friday night lights era. Two recordings in three days. If it, it feel right, if it, it feel like it's supposed to be like this, long time coming, man. We uh, we failed the people of giving them what they've been needing. That's a big fact, my guy. That's a big fact. All right, you know, we talked a little bit about the Knicks on the NBA report. We did. The Knicks are currently 4-0 in the OG era. Should he get his own era? Yeah, we'll give him his own era because they're 4-0. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you seeing as the differences so far with your Knicks team when OG has been playing? It seemed really apparent from game one the spacing has been a little bit better, and their two best players have had even more room to operate. Yeah, I think you're hitting it on the head. Um, I think in these first four games, and I think it's important to also note, again, the first four games without him even having a true understanding or um, feel and rhythm within his place next to these two guys, we've already seen the benefits of the spacing. Um, And then secondly, along with spacing is – Spacing is one thing, but I think the other part for OG that fits a lot with the Knicks is shot profile. So when you talk about RJ Baird and and how he likes to get his and and where he likes to be on the floor, and I think you mentioned it on the NBA report, you know, it it can be disruptive to Julius Randle and sometimes um, Jalen Brunson. I think the beauty with OG Ananobi is that even on his best nights, his shot profile won't mirror or kind of hinder. Yes. So he might have a night where he is having a 25-point night and he is making four or five three-point shots, and they're going to be in the corner. They're going to be with very limited dribbles. Um, and I think in the long run, that's going to be truly effective. We definitely got to figure out a way to to, to replace the bench production from Emmanuel quickly. Um, but so far, I love adding somebody who is going to – allow life to be a lot easier for our two main stars. And then you also, you got to have some type of perimeter defense in today's league. You know what I mean? A lot of these teams have somebody lethal from the perimeter that can score. And we know both of us um, and other basketball people, you're not stopping Jason Tatum's of the world, but if you can make life um, as hard as it can be for them, you know, those, those extra two to three missed shots, um, can win you a game versus these guys just kind of winning a game on their own. So I love it. Um, it isn't perfect. No trade out there is going to be perfect. I kind of have to constantly remind uh, fan bases that there is there is like no trade that just fixes everything. But it's a step in the right direction, and that's all you can ask for as a fan. You know, the Knicks, as you know, a, a New Yorker, um, the Knicks don't really get a lot of love. It's it's always kind of bashing the Knicks and, and going at the Knicks. And we've, we've finally done some things right in constructing a proper team. And now we're continuing that trend. And I think sometimes you just got to give a team its credit. And I think the Knicks and Leon Rose deserve their, their flowers for just doing something that makes sense. Now that we see it's working so well, do you feel that the Knicks should make even another move since it feels like they're inching towards title contention a little bit closer? Not saying they're there yet, but should they make a splashy move, another incremental move? Like, what do you think? We discussed Brogdon. I mean, I we both think that's a great fit, but anything outside of that that you'd like to see them make? As of right now, for me, no. Um, I like. I'm a big fan of DeJounte Murray but I don't know how much of a fan of DeJounte Murray I am on the Knicks. And I've been seeing that name a lot. Um, You all, you also have obviously Zach Levine out there in Chicago 
what I think the Knicks are better off doing is staying low key um, and making marginal moves like like you just mentioned, if it makes sense. But I think the next big move has to be the one. And if it if you don't feel like it's the one, then you don't make it. You know, we still have so much draft equity that's going to be very big for us to make that big, uh, big move. But I think because we we've used quickly and RJ and yeah. um that's that's half of the assets we have right we, we we had an abundance of things because we had RJ's contract the appeal of Emmanuel quickly on still on his rookie salary and then all of the draft equity it, we were the hottest team as far as assets in the league you split that in half it's still fine but that next move has to be the one that kind of puts us in the contention conversation. Because now if you dip into the assets just to make a sexy move and it ain't the one, we where do we go? If, if we used two picks to go and get somebody like DeJounte Murray, and I'm not even sure DeJounte would cost two picks at this point, but just hypothetically, th that doesn't make us contenders. And now it's harder to go on and, and, and make that next move. So I think the next one has to be the best one. So you're better off trying to get somebody like Brogdon, uh, who's a veteran. Yeah. Um, a, he killed a tonight, by the way. Player. I yes. watched him tonight. He killed Against tonight. He had, he had like yes. 12 in overtime. Easy. Yo, he's mm -hmm. such a pro. He's such a pro. He's a tr true, true pro. True yeah. pro. Um, And I think that's the appeal of him. I think I've I've been a fan of him um, yeah. for a while now. And it's because I just like really good basketball players. He can shoot, pass, dribble, defend. He can play with a Greek freak. He had some really good years in Indiana on his quote unquote own team. He goes into uh to the Celtics, played the bench role for them, won a six minute a year, yeah. got shipped out in this in this Dame trade and went to a young Blazers team, found a way to be a vet and, and kind of show scooting those other young guards, um, you know, by example. So it's nothing that Malcolm Brogdon can't do in his league. Yeah, it's tough to lose the runner-up to six-man of the year, but if you could get the six-man of the year, I mean, that's a great fit. Like, it just feels like that would make sense. No, yeah, and again, he's another guy who would complement your two main guys in the fact that he could alleviate some pressure from Jalen Brunson in those games where um, they're trying to pressure Jalen Brunson a lot. Yes. Um, I don't think people realize how exhausting it is in today's game for point guards because they do they do more than just facilitate. They score. And now when you talk about them being hounded 94 feet, bringing a ball up just to get it across half, trying to get into the offense, that's a lot. So to be able to have somebody that can alleviate that, bring it up and, and, and start a set um, can take a lot of, you know, energy off of their plate. So um, and then the catch and shoot profile, Malcolm Brogdon, he also can play in a pick and roll. Um, he's a guy who, you know, can do a lot of different things in offense. So, and I think he's a guy that would that would fit with 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 Ips, yeah, which yeah. is always a big plus. Most definitely, shoots forty percent from a three. You mentioning uh, shot profile a lot this episode, and it kind of makes me think about Siakam because that's the trending name when we're thinking about the trade zeitgeist right now. Mm -hmm. Um, with Siakam, in my opinion, like it's hard to find a team that's a great fit. And the Kings were in that, you know, discussion. But I don't know how he fits in, like, read and react type offense and hands off and DHOs. And the Warriors and the Lakers are, you know, two teams that everybody's talking about Siakam right now. I really don't see it for the Warriors. Also, I mean, he's an all-star level player, so you get him if you can. But I don't see him in read and react type offense. I kind of like like his fit with the Lakers more. Do you even Do you even see something happening with Siakam at this point? 
I I do. Um, it was very unfortunate to to hear the news about the Raptors and the Kings because I kind of liked Siakam in the King. I when I think about the Kings and I look at the Kings, they're like a off-brand version of the Warriors. So it isn't as sophisticated and it isn't as complex, but it has some of the same principles. But what I love about it so much is a lot of that is Sabonis. So I don't I wouldn't look at Pascal to do it. And I think that's kind of why I would prefer Pascal to be in the Warriors. It is read and react, but I think because so much would go through Draymond Green, um, I don't know if Siakam would would necessarily inherit that responsibility. He would definitely have to challenge himself and um, open up his mind a little bit more than what he's been used to. And it, it'll it be rocky at first. But I think Pascal Siakam could figure that out. Um, the Lakers, absolutely no interest in, in seeing Pascal Siakam there personally. Um, for both, for one reason, I don't really like the idea of him, Bron, and AD on the court. Mm. I, again, we talked about our NBA report. I When I hear LeBron and I'm trying to pair him with people, I need people who can either create their shot on the level of Kyrie Irving or I need snipers. You know what I mean? And because Anthony Davis isn't Chris Bosh, the next three guys got to be able to shoot that thing. They have to shoot and guard their man on the other side of the floor. Do, so, do you feel like that's part of why it's tough to find an elite fit for Siakam? Because him as your go-to creator is not going to really work on a championship contender. And then he's not really a spacer. Like, he's been shooting it better lately. But I think that's all the reason why it's tough to find a fit for him. Yeah. It... You would have to have a star player who is spacing the floor for him or who, who like, for instance, I don't know if it's, it'll happen, but he wouldn't be bad in Atlanta with Trey Young. No. Indiana would be solid. He wouldn't be bad in Indiana, you know, yeah. these, because they're two, they're, they're two head of the snakes there. They're not relying on, they won't, they won't care. It's like, they're going to get their shots off and they're going to shoot 40% um, from three regardless. So, um, when you start breaking down teams like the Lakers, when you start breaking down teams like um, the Kings, because De'Aaron Fox is a much improved shooter, but he still needs that space to operate, then it could kind of, you know, be like, eh, it could get clunky in our, in our mind. But um, I'm not mad at the Warriors one. And also the Warriors are desperate. My only, the breaks that I have on some of those teams is what what is the Raptors getting? Who they would, would have to? I mean, they would have. You you don't think they could get Moody and Kaminga, right? That'd be crazy. I think they should be able to get them. The I Warriors mean, aren't doing. They're not I doing think nothing with them. I, I think that'd be a great look for Toronto. Yeah, Even though look, I don't know about Kaminga, Scotty Barnes fit, but I mean, just bringing in that talent, I think makes sense at this point. You think about fit later. Yeah, they, exactly. That's the state of the, the Raptors right now. Is yeah. accumulating talent, young talent for yeah, timeline, exactly. but. I mean, I don't understand that with the Warriors. You, you you just have both of those guys complaining about minutes. What you have isn't working. If the Warriors were a top four seed, even a top five, six seed out west, I would get I would understand them saying, Hey, what we have isn't broken, so we're not gonna fix it. But they're literally treading in, in, in the wrong direction. Everything that's going wrong could be going wrong. Um Kaminga just called Steve Kerr out basically for minutes. So did Moses Moody. So now if I have the Raptors calling me asking for those guys and they have an all-star forward for me, I'm saying, yeah, because I, I wasn't even using these guys. I just don't, I don't understand that logic in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, 
these guys have been with the Warriors for years now. This isn't first or second year. These guys have been in – they haven't gotten the proper minutes. So, I don't know. I, I would like Siakam with Golden State, though. And then yeah. if it doesn't work out, what Golden State could do is let him walk, let Klay Thompson walk. And just and start to really figure out what they need to to make that next uh that next era. I do think if Pascal finds himself on a contender, he would have to tap into that role he played with Kawhi, like running in transition. And I say that to say this: How do you feel about the Mavericks? Because they have been getting up and down more. They have been playing more in transition. Do you like that fit with Luca and Kyrie? Yeah, I love that fit. Um, the only thing that's stopping me from really diving into that fit is. What do they give Toronto? You know, um, I'm listen. I'm I'm searching and and begging for the Dallas Mavericks to get some type of upgrade at that position, even if it's a guy like I, I really think Kuzma would be really good with Kyrie and uh and Luca out there in in Dallas. Um, do you remember when um Antoine Jameson played that one year with Dallas and won a six man of the year? Like I Kuzma would start, but Kuzma reminds me a lot of Antoine Jameson, so I would really like to see him there being a guy who can play off of those guys. And then also if you have stretches where Luca is on the bench or Kyrie's on the bench, he could also still be out there holding it down while those guys are resting. So listen, hopefully the Mavericks can make a move. Um, I know I would prefer them to try to chase Kuzma because Masai is going to, he's going to have a high asking price, you know, um, notably that's what he's about. It, you know, you look at his trades, he, he's trying to, he's trying to bring something the Mavericks are just a hard team for me to look at and see Masai being pleased with any of those returning pieces. How do you feel about Jeremy Grant for the Mavericks? I love Jeremy Grant. Um, he's just super expensive on the payroll. Um, yeah. He's super, super expensive. I loved Jeremy Grant for Atlanta as well. I love Jeremy Grant for Sacramento. Um, Jeremy Grant it's going to be hard asking me to find a team that I wouldn't love Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant could fit if he returned back to the Sixers where he first started. Jeremy Grant, the Portland has some guys out there and they're a team that I was thinking like, I told my dad uh, maybe a month or so ago. Shout out to Pops. Shout out to Pops. If there was a world where Philadelphia could trade with them and get Brogdon and Jeremy Grant, I, I, man, I would have that would have been incredible. If I'm a team, I'm calling tr the Trailblazers and I'm seeing if I can get both of them, both of those guys. Let me get yeah. Brogdon and Jeremy Grant. You know what I mean? So I don't know, but I love Jeremy Grant. He's a guy that works on his game, continues to grow every single year. It's just something that I think is attractive about that. So you don't see as many players like shooting is an improvable skill, but it is incredible how much better of a shooter he got over the years, man. This is a dude that came in as an energy guy. No jump shot at all. Uh, trust the process process Sixers second round guy from Syracuse and to see him gradually like just add to his game and to his game and not only have a reliable jump shot but like he has a legitimate jump. he's a scorer now this is a he went from energy to athletic versatile guy to um a pick and a pick and roll guy for Russ when he got to the Thunder then they were able to do the pick and pop he went to Denver and played a, a lockdown role in a bubble. Then he went to Detroit and became a first option. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That year was crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Then he went to Portland to compliment Dame as a second guy. Like he's done everything that you can ask for from a basketball player. So um, I'm always attracted to guys like Jeremy Grant, who just 
find ways to contribute and really he's an example of somebody that we don't know a lot of these guys personally right but i we know he works on his game it the, the, it's right in front of our face he works on his craft somebody else who worked on their game was jordan pool uh, a lot of time in the g league right won a mm-hmm. championship with the warriors as what a top three guy top four guy mm-hmm. on the warriors what were your expectations going into this season because you just saw him play against your knicks um, mm-hmm. He's been struggling a lot lately, and I think everybody thought that this was going to be a season where he could probably take another leap just from opportunity. Obviously, the gravity wouldn't be the same. The system wouldn't be the same, but everybody thought he'd get more on-ball reps. Are you surprised with Jordan Poole's struggles, and what were your expectations going into this season? I'm surprised is an understatement. Like, I'm, I'm so lost because I definitely was a person that was like, just by default of what you just said, just by opportunity, just by um, damn near doubling the shot attempts, right? Uh, Ten plus minutes added to the 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 minute log. Um, this dude should be, from a numbers perspective and from a performance perspective, we should have he should have four or five moments this season where oh he's oh man he's in the garden he just gave the Knicks thirty six. Oh, man, he's in. I believe he did that in a preseason. He had like a crazy game because the Knicks in a preseason. Like he's I I looked at him as that. I didn't know if if he was going to win most improved, but I thought he would be a name in the conversation and to see to see him be kind of the exact opposite. Um, It's it was it's been tough to watch, but it's a good reminder for us basketball heads that it isn't just that simple. A lot of times we do think that, oh, man, he's traded. He's going to get more opportunities. So he's automatically going to be better. And nah, it just it doesn't work like that. You really have to take into account the system that the Warriors have. I think that's another conversation that this situation brings. They have a legitimate system that he was able to benefit from. And it's a different monster and a different beast being one of the top options on offense night by night and a full responsibility. Being the first bolded name on the scouting report is different versus you know, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and then they have Jordan Poole down there, and you forget, oh, shit, we got Jordan Poole to guard, and now you're able to get your shit off. Now it's Kuzma Poole. That's what everybody's got on port saying. And, um, you know, it's another year of development, which I didn't think I would be saying. He, he's, he's still in development. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's just it's sad a little bit because Jordan Poole didn't ask for any of it. Um Jordan Poole probably wish he was still in Golden State. You know, Jordan Poole, he was punched um, after getting into an altercation with a teammate. And that situation didn't get handled properly by the Golden State Warriors. And so it became a bigger issue. It ruined the season, and they felt they had to make a move. And unfortunately, for his sake, they chose the guy who had a little bit more equity in the franchise, which is Draymond Green. So it it's tough because... He didn't ask for it. You know, if if Jordan Poole was a free agent and he said, I want to go to Washington for more opportunity and I'm leaving, it would be a different thing. But because he didn't necessarily ask to be traded or ask to be in that situation, um, it, it's a little tough. So do you think that incident was the beginning of the end for the Warriors dynasty? And, you know, you said he's still in development phase, but maybe for Jordan Poole as well, like. Was that the reason you think everything went downhill for both sides? Was how much of that was had to do with like everything that goes into this? 
I think I think it's a big part. Um, I think, and this is going to sound crazy, so I'm gonna break it down. I think that the downfall of the Warriors dynasty was the Kevin Durant moment, and people are going to wow. hear me say that and say, but they won a championship after. The reason I think that is because simply, when you have a player like Kevin Durant, this is arguably the greatest score I've ever seen with my own two eyes. When you have him on your team after you had initially won 73 games. And one of the reasons he leaves is because of the situation with him and Draymond. Somebody in the organization, whether it was a front office person, coach, teammate, whatever, somebody was supposed to let Draymond know right then and there, then ice. The next situation that happens, man, we, you got to go. You know what I mean? Like if they still have Kevin Durant, who knows how many championships they have? Like, but but it's just I just don't understand how they didn't check that. And when you talk, when Kevin Durant talks about it to this day, he was saying one of the things that he didn't like or he wasn't pleased with is they didn't handle it. They just tried to sweep it under the rug. And it seems like the same thing happened with Jordan Poole, um, based off some of the comments he's made and Draymond. Draymond said last season was shitty. There was no team chemistry. It was uh, you know, awkward in the locker room, and it was his doing you know if he don't punch Jordan Poole I, I doubt that they have um, a lack of chemistry so um, I think the Warriors kind of failed to really get Draymond under control and it got to the point where now it's kind of uncontrollable and here we are him coming back tonight off of a 13 game suspension this is after the suspension in the finals when they lost the 3-1 lead this is ruining a KD relationship and him leaving this is punching Jordan Poole, and now he in trade. These are so many things that we're naming, and still there's no lesson that has been learned. Yeah, and, and I totally agree with you. And it also puts the Warriors in such a tough spot because, you know, you hear talking heads talk about trade Clay Thompson, trade Draymond Green, but they don't really have that much value to other teams as they I do agree. to the Warriors. So they put this front office in such a tough position. And then with the Steve Kerr stuff, not playing the younger players, not leaning into the youth, it's just making the situation even worse. Yeah. Whenever I hear trading those guys, or when I think about the Warriors making trades, that's the first thing that pop in my mind is like, what trade can they make? And also they're the type of team that if they are going to make a trade, it has to be, it has to be a big trade. They have to change things. It's not like just making a move just to make a move. Nobody is looking to add Clay Thompson right now. If they are going to add him, it'll be via free agency. Nobody's looking to add Draymond Green right now. Nobody's looking to add Chris Paul right now. Nobody's looking to add, you know, Andrew Wiggins right now. Mm -hmm. And if you are trying to add Kaminga or Moody, it's it's with like a, a bit of a hesitancy because you haven't seen the full thing yet. So it's like if you are trying to get him, you're probably not giving up anything that's going to change anything that's going on in Golden State. And that's why I said earlier it was confusing because Siakam was available. I never thought that the Raptors would be entertaining Siakam to the Warriors for Kaminga. I never thought that, that that would be the situation. So the fact that they were and the Warriors didn't want to give them up, it was a big head scratcher. You almost have to look at Kaminga and Moody as like you're looking in the draft. Like you don't know for sure, but okay, I saw this and I see how that could fit into my system and I believe in their potential. Mm-hmm. Literally, yeah. like drafting, you, you're literally buying into the potential. And that's why I think a lot of teams wouldn't normally want to give up too much because it's just potential. 
Hat, there's a 50% chance, man, Kaminga gets here, the new change of scenery and opportunity, and it all it all comes together. But then there's the other half where it's like, oh, I didn't know this was here. So, yeah. Hey, great stuff. You're always welcome back. Real good stuff, man. Real good stuff. The NBA is in a, it's this is the best the best time of the year in my opinion other than playoff basketball obviously. Um the league is taking shape, taking form and a lot of trade chatter, a lot of uh a lot of teams going Anything up, any player or team that we didn't discuss that really has been on your mind lately that you think could make a move? Yeah, the Bulls. The Bulls, like, see, that's another thing. It's all like the Demar Derozan thing is almost like the Siakam thing. Like, he's a really good player, but what teams does Derozan fit with? When I, I could compare Caruso almost to OG, not in playing style, but his fit is really good with a lot of teams. You know, even though he's nowhere near the player Demar is. That's been the toughest thing with the Bulls. Is yeah, where does Demar Derozan fit? I'll be honest with you. I think the best fit for Demar Derozan is where he's at. I don't think it, I don't I just don't see any other team out there that's going to give him what he's looking for and is in going terms to of getting paid by the Bulls is the best spot, right? Yep. Spot and already knowing what he does because if he goes to the Sixers, he's what a third option now. I don't and like it, that fit with him and hate the fit. It's yeah, a terrible like you, fit. You talk about shout profile, they're invading each other's space. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that doesn't work. Um where else do you go? You, I mean, if you're DeMar, if you're DeMar DeRozan or you're DeMar DeRozan's agent, where are you guys trying to go? What you thinking? What made you do like, that? Like, I, like the Pacers, because nobody occupies that space for this Pacers, but it's just a totally different play style at the same time. Like, I don't know. Like, DeMar DeRozan was known for his athleticism. That's the out crazy of college. part. Yeah. Like, it'd be, it seems like it would be fun with Tyrese, like a young DeMar. But this DeMar, he kind of might. I mean, he might have some space to operate there, though. It'd be fun. But on the other hand, he doesn't really fit their timeline all the way, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree with you. The old DeMar DeRozan that was that the one that we knew for Duncan and being athletic that team would definitely fit. But now it is DeMar DeRozan, who's more of a half-court player, trying to get to his spots. It's a lot of, a lot slower of a pace than what the, what the Pacers are trying to do, which is probably why it's a lot of space for him to operate because they don't want that space to be operated. It seems like Rick Carlisle, they want to go. But on the other hand, in the playoffs, you need somebody to go to in that mid-range when the shot clock is running down. And Hopefully and that'll be... And the game hopefully situation. that'll be Benedict Matherin. Yeah, I always loved his game. He's yeah, tough. Hopefully. He's just. He I feel like he's just hit it. Hasn't hit that level of efficiency right in the mid range yet. Yeah, no, 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 nowhere near Demar Derozan. Yeah. Nowhere yeah. near. He, he, he. It's actually funny. He probably could be potentially a newer this generation type Demar Derozan. He can he's a, three, a more willing three point shooter, obviously because the times is different. But they have about the same size, same body type, same I think uh, athleticism, same confidence. Be, I'll tell you that same, same confidence. <laughs> um, but he's just like a modern version. If the Rosen was if the Rosen was coming up in this era, he would be shooting threes. Yeah, he he would be shooting threes. Um, uh, other than that, I think I think we hit on everybody. Um. As far as any other teams making a move, 
What about the Suns? They probably can't even make a move, huh? The Suns were like doomed from the beginning, I feel like, bro. And I actually loved like Eric Gordon and um what's his name shooting well from three right now. Which one? Duke trips people. Why am I losing his name? Grayson Allen. Yeah, Grayson. Why am I? I should I should never forgot his <laughs> name, but yeah, like he's playing really well. I love the Eric Gordon, you know. But just that, even if they were all healthy, I didn't think they were legit title contenders. And people had them as favorites. I didn't get it. I never had them as favorites, but I definitely thought they were going to be better than they were. And now that I see it, it's like, yeah. But I, I guess I just had a lot of faith in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. But the surrounding pieces are super important. And they just don't have a lot of them. They don't have a lot of surrounding pieces, man. Don't you so feel there like, don't you feel there was redundancy in skill set? Like when I talk to people around the NBA, they told me like, those three are the same player. Just Katie happens to be seven feet. Like that's how they looked at it. Yeah, they, 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 it is because Bill's trying to get the mid. mid yeah. KD's trying to get the mid. Booker's you just felt that deep book could really take on that point guard role, huh? Yeah, I, I like him there. I like yeah. him there, but I think, I think when when you need when you look at these top top teams, those glue guys are so important. They don't have a Aaron Gordon. They don't have a KCP, and that's why I just love the Nuggets because you have Jamal. Jamal can rock out. Jokic is gonna rock out. But in between those guys, you have a sharpshooter in MPJ. You have a uh, versatile defender who can get out in transition in Aaron Gordon. And you have a 3 and D shooting guard in KCP. It's just literally perfect. Yeah, who does that sound like to you, though? I mean, it's very different, but it's Warriors-esque in the sense where you have your... You know, we've actually argued about if Steph Curry's a point guard or not a few times. But, like, you have your bigger player who could play point guard you have your smaller player who could play off the ball and you have your movement shooter in mpj like mm -hmm. that seems to be what's working in the modern nba yeah it is that's why i'm interested in see if the celtics can pull it off because the celtics who's their who's their movement shooter exactly they don't have they're, they're the opposite of that they, they're kind of built around two wings more defensive yes and that that's how we're getting it in they don't they don't have movement shooters and I don't ha I don't see anybody that rolls to the rim hard which is an underrated facet of gravity. Like don't they sleep, don't have Don't sleep on KP. Oh, KP is great. I I love KP. I'm higher He's rolling KP. a lot more. He is, but you know what I mean with veracity and he's popping a lot as well. Yeah, he's not he's not going to give you any veracity is just not <laughs> in his uh in his DNA. He's he's a smooth operator, man. He is tough though. I mean, he plays like their second best player off in the season. Yeah, he had that. That's why I like the the pickup for them. Uh, I think when you have like a top two, it's always good to have a three or four who can be a top two on any given night. You know what I'm saying? So um, I like it. But I'm I mean, when's the last team that we had that was built from the wings? Was it the Raptors uh, championship team? Pascal and um, Kawhi. Pascal Kawhi, yeah, I like I, I like that team. The Clippers are built from around the wings. Paul George and Kawhi, I never feel comfortable Yo, counting here, them here. out. We'll, we'll end on this, P. We'll end on this. Clippers was being talked about by everybody when they were struggling, and it's yes. crickets now, bro. Yes, it's crickets. That's yes. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I talked about them as well, but I talked about them as soon as they went on their win streak as well. I'm a Paul George fan, so. I want to talk about the Clippers. You're the regardless. real podcast P, but you know I'm a PG-13 guy. 
I am the podcast Pete. That's my guy. He got he got to rock with me. He got to. No, he's actually he's actually he is underrated as a player and a podcaster. Good podcaster. He's a phenomenal podcaster. He's one of the best player podcasters. Hundred percent. He has one of the best player podcasts. Yes, he the game comes effortlessly effortlessly to him, just like on the court. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Pete, great stuff. You know, you're always welcome on the show. Thank you, um, my guy. My bro, where can we find you? Pee Wee the plug on everything, baby. Pee Wee the plug on everything. Um, numbers on a board podcast dropping very, very soon. Um, big announcement Tuesday. But yeah, Pee Wee the plug on everything. If it's anybody else that pops up where you see Pee Wee the plug, flag them. Let them know that name is stolen. Um, but yeah, I'm always here ready to talk basketball. I think we, we, we about to have some good basketball games starting right now. Clippers and Lakers. There you go. That should be good. Hey, we out, bro. Talk soon. Peace.